Shrewsbury fans, welcome back to the latest episode of the Shrews Views podcast here at the Shropshire Star. My name is Johnny Dreary, and as always, I'm joined by Salop correspondent Ollie Westbury, who, like many Salop fans, has probably been on a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions in the last few days. The highs of Reading and the very much lows of Lincoln on Tuesday evening. Oh, bit of a funny few days for Salop, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can see me here, like, kind of drinking. Got my, got my caffeine, got my caffeine intake. Done some serious, done some mileage uh, over these last few days. No, 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 no. Let's not have this. Let's have this right. You've done, you've done nothing compared to what I've been doing over the last few days. I've done nearly what a thousand. Been doing? I've done nearly a thousand miles for two games in the last week. Lincoln, have you? And, Lincoln and Reading is a, a doddle, babe. Yeah. A doddle. Where did you go? Hull on a Saturday, Plymouth on a Tuesday night. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. sorry, I just swore there. Uh, yeah, no, that's <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have, to be fair, Shrewsbury have done some miles. They've got three points in the bag, but it was a disappointing 3-0 defeat on Tuesday evening at Central Bank. We're going to talk about both of those games. We've got a few of your salad questions and a few other little tidbits and bits and bobs to talk about but we'll start all because it's fresh in the memory um we don't start on a low note i think i might i think i might have got done for speeding on the way home as well oh no oh terrible even oh, God, what yeah. um what went wrong what, what you know what was it paul hurst said he was uh he, he felt embarrassed i'm sure some shoes be time fans did i'm sure the players did as well what 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 went wrong for salad on tuesday Oh man, it was a it was a tough old night. There's been some. I'm, I've just been writing my debrief from the game. There's been some tough away days this season. I think I referenced Wigan, Wigan away, Blackpool away, Oxford away. You know, been some really tough away days. But you know, last night that was right up there. Um, it looked like boys against men, to be quite honest with you. Um, Lincoln, who were look a real good side. Um, you know, on the front foot. Um, and it's one of those conversations where uh, I was kind of chatting or chatting in the press box and I kind of couldn't work out whether it was that Lincoln were exceptional or that Shrewsbury were really bad. Um, I, I, I kind of felt that the town just didn't show up and it made Lincoln look better, look good because Lincoln can't be that good because like they ain't in the playoff spots, are they? I haven't got the League One table in front of me, but yeah, they're in good form, aren't they? I think that's nine nine unbeaten now. Um, but they they did, yeah, they did look a good they did look a good side. There's no doubt about it. But Shrewsbury were well. We've been in this podcast at several times this season, looking for the correct adjective to describe a performance, and I think we're back in that territory again, trying to find. I called it a sobering evening. I, it was grim. Um, I think there was over 200 Shrewsbury fans that made the trip. Um, and yeah, um, it was, well, not good, um, to say the least. Um, <clears throat> the only positive thing that I thought um, from the performance is, is, is the manager's comments post-match. Um, I feel as though people appreciate it when the manager comes out and is honest and gives a reflection on a game everybody has seen you know we've all got eyes i mean and don't get me wrong like we do not watch we do not know anywhere near as much about football as what players do 
and what the the Shrewsbury manager does so there's no point pretending that we do but obviously we can tell it's a lot of football and we can tell when one of the teams kind of not not been very good and that was the case for Shrewsbury but you know you find a lot in football or just in general that, that managers to come out and kind of say things and you're like well, what game are you watching but I mean that certainly wasn't the case last night Paul Hurst was was honest uh, he was frank um, you know I've got a story going in the paper tomorrow he was he, he admitted that he was angry um, with the way that Shrewsbury played uh, and he questioned the players desire which isn't as you know um, you know he said there's no excuse that to not tackle to not run um, which is really really strong language isn't it to describe a performance but you know I think we all saw it um, Shrewsbury it was just one of them days where you know the old um, is it the Monty Python song the life of Brian always look on the bright side of life and it goes anything that could go did go wrong it, it, it just felt a little bit like that summed up by when uh jack inchy kind of limped off in the 86th minute um you know having only come on as a half-time substitute with what looked to be a knee injury so yeah it was a bad it was a bad evening and i am sorry i've just sang at you there johnny <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good job i stopped there because i think there's more swearing further down that song <laughs> yeah there probably is there probably is what you know individually what you know obviously there were some changes in personnel but you know and you said there there's strong language from paul hurst i imagine the language in the dress room is even stronger um but it seems like is it one step forward two steps back given what happened on saturday to what happened last night you know a real chance to get a second back-to-back win or sorry to get a back-to-back win for the first time this season uh and um, to, to go down so you know is limply a word i don't know yeah limply, yeah, meekly, yeah yeah just yeah, yeah. Like you know it seems like when there was a bit of optimism from saturday that sam going to survive that's sort of gone a bit backwards after last night um you know I, I actually don't feel that personally my opinion um because i think if performances have been inconsistent since paul hurst had come in and we'd been you know good one game bad the next good one game bad the next but actually to be fair to to this team is since he's come in they've been pretty good they play pretty well um you know i was talking to him i was talking to paul hurst about it kind of last night and it's kind of like six out of the seven performances have been been pretty good um, probably the, the one game you could argue that maybe they weren't quite at their best was his second game against Cambridge, which they lost. So it's more like a bizarre out of character, well not out of character because we've seen this, we've seen we've seen shows we put in performances with the same group of players like this this season. But it's more, yeah, I, I don't I don't really think it's two steps back simply because in the main since he's come in they have been good. It's just kind of like an outlier. It's like one random performance that. And to be honest, I'm still scratching my head now, thinking, where the bloody hell did that come from? Um, I don't know whether it's that a touch of complacency of like how comfortably they kind of, because it was fairly comfortable against Reading on Saturday. I know they scored three really good goals, but you know, Shrewsbury offered a real threat and could have scored a couple more maybe. And I don't know, maybe could they just not get themselves up for the game again? You know, the three-game week. I mean, it's something that Shrewsbury have struggled with a little bit at times. Um, obviously, there were changes that they made, but I don't know. I, I, I don't feel that, though. I know I have said that now a couple of times, but I don't feel like it was a case of two steps forward. Um, what is it? One step forward, two steps back. And I don't feel that simply because I think, uh, as a general rule on the whole, Shrewsbury have been pretty good since Paul Lowe's come in. Um, 
so I would just class it as an outlier uh, and let's hope that they put it behind them and get ready to go again on Saturday, you know, which will be a tough game against Blackpool. Yeah, and just I know there was a, a bit of a sort of mix around in in system, uh, not system last night, but sort of obviously personnel. Um, so I've had to sort of change things around. Do you think that maybe played a, a little bit of a part, upset the sort of upset the rhythm a little bit? Yeah, only one member of the back three uh, who started at Reading um, started um, at Sinsel Bank last night. Um, obviously, that's the skipper, Shea Dunkley. Carl Winchester at right right back. I mean, he has been immense in the centre of midfield. I wrote a comment piece about how he's been the most important and most improved player, um, you know, since the change in head coach. Um, he's been immense in that holding midfield role. I really like Carl Winchester. He's a great guy. Uh, I bumped into him in the training ground last week and I was talking to him about Sunderland till I die and the documentary because obviously he features in that a little bit. But he's a really, really nice, nice chap. Um, but he obviously played at right back, um, which, to be fair, I think that, that that Carl is happy to play wherever to help the team out. But I don't think it did help the team, the fact that they lost him in midfield. I think that was probably where that the game was lost, that midfield battle in the first half. And once the momentum goes, it becomes incredibly difficult to then switch it back. Uh, Jason Schreyer is not a left back or doesn't appear to be a left back. Um, I thought he did really, really well on Saturday at centre-half, but he struggled at left-back. And maybe that was today, well, last night, maybe that was just because it was, you know, I don't know, because the team weren't, didn't, you know, just the game plan that they would try to put in place didn't work. So, you know, uh, maybe it was just one of those days. And probably the highlight, really, I suppose, of that, the back four, I thought probably the, the one who had the brightest was probably Morgan Feeney. I thought he did okay, probably nothing more than okay, but I thought he did okay um, with his uh, playing back at centre-half, which we know is his preferred position. So, yeah, those are the changes. Obviously, the change in goal as well with Harry Burgoyne coming in. Um, I don't know whether... Have you seen the goals, Johnny? I haven't. No, no, I haven't watched the goals. I don't know whether we can blame the goalkeeper for the the third goal or not. It's probably harsh. He just... The guy, you know, like when someone crosses it and they hit it really well, and it they hit it really well, but not really well because it doesn't go where they intended, but then ends up in the top corner. Uh, it was it was kind of like that that inc- incident. He made a couple of good saves. There's some speculation as to whether he actually saved the penalty or not. Um, but I mean, the ball ended up in the net about 20 seconds later anyway, so it didn't really matter all that much. Um, so I didn't actually see that goal. I actually watched it back. I was too busy typing saying the penalty's been missed, still 2 0. And then <laughs> I hadn't even finished writing my tweet. And then I, I had to write goal 3 <laughs> 0. Um, so yeah, pretty sobering evening, to be honest, Johnny. Pretty sobering yeah. evening. Yeah, just on, uh, you know, like you say, those comments from, from Hurst, a real need now to, to pick themselves up because, you know, games coming thick and fast. The table's not looking any better. Um, and there's got to be a marked difference between now and Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I'm just looking at the league table and obviously the, probably the one positive from last night is what happened at, I don't know whether they get, that game was at Port Vale or wherever it was, but Fleetwood coming from behind 
uh, to get a draw against Port Vale is absolutely massive because that would have taken, you know, if, if Port Vale had won that game, that would have taken them, you know, within, you know, even closer to Shrewsbury, um, which is not what they want. So, you know, that points gap is still five points. Um, Town have got 11 games left, so it's still very much... I mean, you'd rather be Shrewsbury, even though Cheltenham have got two games in hand, Port Vale have got two games in hand, you would still rather be Shrewsbury. You'd rather have those points on the board because there's no guarantee that, you know, they're going to go into those games um, and pick up those points. So, yeah, um, obviously you've got Reading with their points deduction as well. That brings them right back into it, but you'd have thought... I don't know. It's, t- it's so tight down there, Johnny. It's so tight. Um, we were trying to debate last night. Who, where do you? How high do you go up the table t- to find a side that's actually out of it or not? Um, obviously, Cambridge have lost their manager with Neil Harris going to Millwall. Obviously, Lyle Taylor suspended for I don't know how many games after elbowing somebody. I'd say I'd say Wickham are still in it. Wickham are still won. in it. I'd say above that they're probably pretty safe. Um, Forty-one yeah, points Wickham. though. That's. That's a, yeah, but yeah, because like Shrewsbury would have been on 41 points yesterday, wouldn't they, if they'd have won? And then you'd be saying, well, if you're on 41 points, does that mean that they're out of it? And you'd probably say no, that they weren't. So it's tight, isn't it? It's tight, um, you know, and, you know, they need to they need to start picking up points on a consistent basis, I suppose, um, which is kind of like performances in, as a general rule, I feel, have been there. Um, there's been improvement, but they just seem to find a way to... I don't know, lose games. Yeah. Aside from last night, I mean, that was pretty dreadful, but aside from last night. Let's um, let's wax lyrical about Saturday then. 3 2 win at Reading. Um, a rip roaring first half. I was actually. I like just, Reading. Have you been to Reading? I have, yeah. It's a bit soulless, but it's, you know, it's easy to access. It's, it's better than Fleetwood. It? It's relatively <laughs> new. Um, I was getting them a car drive back from West Brom against Hull, actually. And uh, they went to the reporter at the gang and they said it was 2 2. And I looked at the clock and it was about half a straight. So, uh, yeah. yeah, a bit of a rip-roaring first half. Some performance at all in the first sort of, whatever it was, five, six minutes, you know, something that we rarely see from Salop. Yeah, it was a game of two halves, really. Um, it was an open game. It was a basketball game in the first half. I mean, surely we could have been 3-0 up inside inside 10 minutes. As it happened, it was 2-1. Um, you know, uh, obviously they scored the two goals, excellent goals. Uh, Jordan Shipley, uh, I said to him actually post um, post match, you don't score tappings, do you? And he kind of, I think I put him on the spot a bit. I felt a bit bad after it um, because, I mean, what do you say when somebody says that to you? What do you what what are you supposed to say? Um, but I, he he kind of said that his dad had told him that he was going to score a cracker, a cracker. And uh, I mean, have you seen that goal, Johnny? I mean, what, what oh, yeah, strike? Some strike. Um, and then obviously Tom Bayliss, who's another player who's, you know, has, has really improved since um, since Paul Hurst came in. Um, obviously, he's been out, to be fair, quite quite a long time through injury. Um, but he seems to be, you know, finding his, his best form um, under the new boss. And that was an excellent goal, the way he turned that defender inside out completely, didn't he? And then just slotted it into the corner. Uh, I think that was his third goal of the season. So... Great start. Disappointing to let them back into it so early. Paul Hurst actually said that, you know, I mean, although you'll never turn down a 2-0 lead after 10 minutes, he was just saying that, actually, it's like it's almost too early to go 2-0 up because you kind of then don't know what to do. Um, so then obviously it was 2-2 and then an outstanding strike from Bloxham as he just bent it into the top corner from the edge of the box. 
um, to give them a 3-2 lead at halftime. What was a basketball game that could have been 3-3? There were other chances in there. Um, perhaps they were, I don't know, maybe fortunate that that second goal went in. It was deflected off Morgan Feeney, like looped over the goalkeeper. But then, you know, Paul Hurst has revealed, you know, that they changed tactics at halftime. Uh, they didn't want to press them as high. They didn't want to open the spaces up so much. So they were prepared to kind of sit off the ball a little bit more. Um, and they managed that game out superbly. The second half was pretty much a non-event apart from one really good Marco Morosi save, which is exactly, exactly what they want. Um, so, yeah, it was a thoroughly good victory. Um, it was a great day. Uh, it was a great day for the more than 700 Shrewsbury fans that made that trip down to the select car leasing stadium. I'm just going to call it the Medeski Stadium. Um, and, yeah, um, it was a very, very, very good uh, day out indeed. Just a shame they couldn't back it up last night. The you know the what the positives to take from it there are, there will be a few, but obviously the character of it you know going away to Reading I imagine most people probably on their on their accumulators would have put you know in a Reading are struggling but they probably put a home win down just to go down there and perform like they did. You know I suppose of the last two games that's the positive you've got to take for the however many games left of the running to to survival. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the away record before last night, obviously they'd picked up seven seven points from their nine games on the travels. So I suppose now's the time that you'd you'd argue that you know Shrewsbury have done pretty well away from home since Hurst's come back. It's it's kind of their home form that's been a little bit more suspect. So they will be keeping their fingers crossed that they can get it right when they uh, when they take on Blackpool Blackpool this weekend. But yeah. I mean, Reading have got obvious issues, haven't they? Um, which are clearly uh, impacting their season, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, it was a it was a, a disappointing. Well, yeah, it was. A, sorry, I'm getting confused with Lincoln. It was a good it was a good afternoon's work, thoroughly professional job. Um, and what Shrewsbury have been have been doing, and aside from you know last night's game at Lincoln, is they've offered a real threat going forward, which has not been something that you can always really attribute towards Shrewsbury this season. They haven't always done that, but that is certainly something that they did. Um, they have done um, since Hurst and Doig have come in. Just on a few newsy points, I want to ask you about Dan Udo. We haven't heard for a while about his contract situation. Um, what can you tell us about that? Because obviously, Hugh, we were worried a little while ago. Um, there were rumours that he'd handed a transfer request, which were obviously not true. Um, yeah. But he's got a, he's had a contract offer on the table for quite a substantial period of time. Do we know anything more about that? Um, obviously, Dan Udo's not played in the last two games. He was on the bench last night. Um, he was doing some running after the game, and he kind of we spoke to him a little bit. He came over and said hello. He's just saying his chest just a little bit wheezy um, still. <clears throat> so probably after that game had gone, after about 50, 60 minutes, it was probably wise not to put him on. Uh, the Dan Udo contract situation... Um, there's no great update really, but the, but I suppose it's it's good podcast chatter because you know, and you'll know this, Johnny, but I can't really write a story um, saying that there's no update, um, you know. But I did ask. So basically, I asked Paul Hurst about it last week for the first time. Um, I've not asked Paul Hurst about it before, um, but we asked Hurst about it. Um, I think it was before before the trip to Reading, and 
he basically said, obviously, with the with the, the close nature of all the games and the busy schedule that they've got, he is aware of the situation with Dan surrounding his contract, and he knows that discussions have been taking place, but he's not aware of any developments or again any kind of closer to being done. Um, but he's kind of he kind of um, just kind of played the played it quite safe um, and explained that. You know, a lot of his attention has been focused on preparing the team, getting the team ready, you know, in the best way possible to to take on, you know, the next game and prepare for the next game, obviously, with a couple of three game weeks that they've had. So, I mean, the update really is that, the, that there's not not a great deal, but it's probably something that, you know, rather than Shrewsbury fans thinking that the question's not being asked and that we're just waiting to find out some news, we are asking the question. Um, but unfortunately, I can't really write a story if nothing's really changed. We need to wait for a situation to change for us to be able to write a story on it. But we can talk about it in the podcast. So that is kind of where Dan Udo's contract situation is. Uh, as far that's only from you know what the manager's telling us. I mean, it, it might be going on, and they just don't want to tell us about it, which is completely their prerogative too. Um, but that's where we're at with it. Um, so. Um, you know, it's one to keep an eye on, um, but, you know, there's not long left in the season now. So, I mean, Shrewsbury, if they're going to try and get him to sign a contract, they ain't going to want him to be a free agent. Um, so, I think they should be trying to do everything. My personal opinion is they should be trying to do everything in their power to try and get him to stay on and to sign that new deal that they've offered him. Um, so, you know, just keep our fingers crossed that the that those negotiations go well when when they happen and uh, fingers crossed he can sign a new deal because I think it'd be a real shame to see Dan Nudo leave. It would be a shame especially, to see him leave. Especially for free. Uh, yeah, especially for free. And I think that's what goes against Shrewsbury. And this is personal opinion. There's no fact in it. But I would be very surprised if there isn't a number of clubs keeping tabs on, on Udo, keeping tabs on on um, on his contract situation because we, we know that there's new um, financial and sustainability rules coming in across the EFL with regards to spending. So there are going to be clubs, certainly above Shrewsbury, potentially even in the bottom half of the championship, who are going to have to cut their cloth and not be able to spend money or spend money as they were. Um, And players like Udo could potentially be attractive to them because he's out of contract. You know, he's someone who is a proven goal scorer at League One level, you know, and maybe maybe does deserve a chance at championship level. But I think that's probably something that will... We'll go against Shrewsbury. These changing the rules, and there'll be clubs trying to pick up players for free or, or for, for for small fees. Um, so yeah, I think cross fingers, cross yeah. toes. I think um, Udo has been one of those players as well that has been excellent since Hurst arrived. Um, I feel like he's really he's really he's really looked electric since Paul Hurst come in. Um, really seen a different side to him, um, you know. Um, so I think it'd be a real shame. Um, but let's fingers crossed, you know, there's still a lot of time to go between now and the end of the season. So let's keep our fingers crossed anyhow. You've uh, you've been down the training ground recently, Ollie, to have a big chat with George <coughs> Nurse, who's, uh, yeah, who's yeah, coming yeah, towards, hopefully, the, the end of his second injury nightmare, double ACLs um, injuries. Um, and yeah, talked about all things from his dog to Dickinson's real deal. Um, how, yeah. was that? how was that? Sound like an enjoyable, enjoyable chat. Yeah, I think um, it's something that I'm hoping that I'll be able to do a lot more of. Um, it was my kind of idea, really, that I want to speak to Shrewsbury players because there's lots of these fly-on-the-wall documentaries knocking about these days, isn't there, which gives you an insight into the lives of footballers. Obviously, I ain't going to be able to do a fly-on-the-wall documentary as to what George Nurse's 
life's like and what he has on his cereal. Um, but I thought it's interesting to bring you to bring the fans and the Shropshire Star readers some insight into the to the life of footballers, what they like doing, um, because I think people are interested in it. Um, I think people are interested in what footballers do. Um, and obviously you see them turn up and play for 90 minutes on, on a Saturday. Um, whereas, the, you know, there's more to it than that, isn't there? You know, players turn up and, you know, they have lives, they have interests, they have passions. And I think, you know, it's something that that, that, that hopefully the, the Shrewsbury fans will will find interesting. Um, some good stuff in that story as the 1300 word story that was. It took me bloody forever to write. Um but obviously he's just had a he's had a daughter, hasn't he? A nine month old daughter. Um, some interesting things about how he signed for Shrewsbury, um, with Steve Cottrell watching him at the training ground. Um, he kind of told me the story about how, you know, he was playing uh, against Celtic in a game for Bristol City at the training ground, and Steve um, was obviously in the stands watching, and all the players were like, "Who's Steve Cottrell's here? I wonder who he's watching." And then kind of went into the office of Nigel Pearson after the game and kind of they said that it was him that, that, that Shrewsbury were in for and obviously the rest is history. So some other interesting stuff, a bit of Dickinson's real deal, 3pm appointment for, for George Nurse after he comes in from football. Um, some other interesting things, obviously a French bulldog called Stanley um, and then love for classic cars. Um, he's, a, he's a golfer as well, actually, which I'm going to write a story about later in the week, um, but he's been playing a lot of golf. Johnny, I know you're a big golfer, aren't you? Um, I do. You know, you'd, you'd like get out on the course and shank the ball everywhere every now and then. Um, or am I doing your golfing skills? Uh, you know, am I doing you down there? Am I doing you dirty? You're doing me down a bit there, man. You're doing me down you a bit. Playoff. Playoff 12. Dear. Oh, you're actually decent then. I can't play golf. You know that game of golf we talked about? <laughs> I can't be playing with someone who plays off 12. <laughs> you um, get plenty of shots, though, mate. You get plenty of shots. Well, yeah, uh, it's more the frustration of when I start launching the clubs into the into the trees. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I, uh, the golf frustrates the hell out of me. Um, but yeah, so I thought it was really interesting. I hope the, the Shropshire Star readers find it interesting. Um, it's a double page spread in the paper today. So if you haven't and you want to read it, um, you know, it's a plus story on our website. But if you want to read it, go buy a paper. Um, so yeah, it'll be, I, I think it's really interesting personally and there's more to come um there's more to come from that interview i haven't used all the stuff um you know i was chatting to george nurse for 45 minutes actually so thank thank him for the generosity of his time um it's good to see that you know he hopes to be joining in with first team training at the end of march um all being well um with the last thing to tick off um tick off his injury list is is kind of the um the contact and joining back in with training that's the last thing what i didn't actually know about an acl injury johnny which you might find interesting is that actually now he's fine like he's normal he just feels normal but because of the because of the injury it it, it doesn't they take the tendon out they put it in they put something else in it dies and then after three months and then it regrows and it's even though he's fine now it takes six months until it's fully healed now he feels fine so but it must be immensely frustrating for him that he's that even though he feels fine you have to wait the time even if you feel okay yeah and that absolutely frazzled my mind when he told me about that he told me he walked in and i was just chatting to him off the record before we before we started recording and i was like absolutely like you know obviously you've got three months left you've got three months and you must be thinking like as a footballer like yeah i feel good like he's, he's telling me like i, I want to play i want to get involved but like, i can't i've got three months and i've got to do 
you know, like regardless. And, you know, that, that just completely, I don't know, that shocked me, I suppose. I just, that wasn't what I was expecting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that's why ACLs take so long, um, you know. So there you go. Yeah, it's a big injury. It's a big injury. Right, we've got some questions from uh, from you sell-up fans. First one comes from Shropshire Shrew. I'm still not convinced Hurst is the right man to take us forward on the pitch. Uh, that is the worst performance I've seen from town in five or six years. How often do you think it works out for a manager in their second spell at the club when he's got 50-50 perhaps? I know you've been doing a bit of a uh, bit of research on this all or looking to uh, what Hurst has said about this in the past. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, about um, whether I agree with that bit at the start about the the worst performance in four or five years. I don't know. I thought we were pretty bad at Blackpool this year. Um, I thought we were pretty bad at Oxford. Um, you know, I, I think there's been other performances where we've not been very good this season, to be honest. I, I mean, I know it was bad and I'm not disputing the fact that it was bad, but you know, I think I do think we have been equally bad at other stages seem to remember a performance. I mean, I, I wasn't there, but I remember people telling me that, that Cheltenham away last year was a really bad day at the office as well. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, I, I understand. I, I, you know, you know, I, I probably would echo those sentiments, you know, like what, 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 what you say about, you know, coming back for second spells in charge. But something I picked up on the other week, um, actually, was I was reading about Paul Hurst and he, his time from Grimsby. And with his statement on the uh, League Managers Association, he, he kind of said that, well, I'm, I've got the statement up here of, of what he what, what he said. Um, obviously, he's had two spells at Grimsby. And, and he says here, people often say that you shouldn't go back in life, but I'm glad I ignored that since rejoining the club at the beginning of 2022. It's been a mainly successful time. Um, so yeah, he, he, he's he's kind of aware of the situation of not because obviously it's the same for town, isn't it? Obviously been manager here before, so he's done it at Grimsby, and you'd have said that his time at Grimsby was relatively successful in the second time. Obviously, I think they went down first, but then got promoted, and and the you know so it's one of those really. Um, I must admit, I was probably perhaps sceptical, especially given how good a job he did the first time, um, because you just like I said that to him on the. Uh, you know, he's, he's unveiling his very first press conference. You know, he did such a good job. He literally took them from what relegation to promotion contenders in the space of the season. Um, does that bring any extra pressure? Um, so, yeah, I, I can understand that question, um, especially given what a good job he did. But I must admit, since he's come in, I, I've been quite impressed by him. And I feel as though if they keep Aside from last night, which was an outlier, and you know if, if they perform like last night too many more times this season, then you know relegation is a realistic poss- possibility. But you know six out of seven has been pretty good, really. And if they perform like that, um, for like at times they've been fairly unlucky not to pick up more points. I think the points return, you know, could be better um, given the performances that they've put in. But I actually pretty impressed by what I've seen since since Hurst come back. I think they've done a decent. I think they've done a pretty pretty decent job. Um, you know, with with pretty much the mainly the, the same set of players. So, um, yeah, that'll be my take on that one, Johnny. Yeah, um, Tony has asked. We still haven't won back-to-back games this season, so so far, Paul Hurst hasn't managed to change that. Have we ever gone an entire season not winning two games in a row? Interesting. Well, that is a great question. Um, it's not a question I got the answer to. Um, but it is a concern. I mean, it is bizarre that we can't seem to get strings and back-to-back wins together. We're at a position now that, to be fair, back-to-back wins pretty much get us where we need to get to. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, no, consistency has been the has been the issue all season. That that Shrewsbury, you know, even before Paul Hurst, you know, even under Matt Taylor, Town produced performances. There were games where they were excellent, but then they just didn't seem to be able to to, to turn out those performances consistently. You know, there'd be a couple of good ones, and there'd be a couple of bad ones, and then there'd be a couple of backs to backs to the wall performances. Um, and consistency has been an issue all season. You know, like after such a high against Reading, where that performance against Lincoln came from last night, I do not know. Um, so, yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, it looks as though we'll have to go back into the history books uh, to find out the answer to that question. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not winning back-to-back games, it's just, it, is, it, is, it is quite bizarre, isn't it, JD? It is bizarre. Um, and Shrewsbury, you know, need to, you know, between now and the end of the season, need to try and get some some wins on the board to, to keep them in the division. Yeah, they certainly do. Starting with Saturday, and that is where we're going to finish today's podcast. Blackpool, the visitors to the Montgomery Waters Meadow. Um, just looking at the fixtures now, they've got they've got Blackpool and then they've got Port Vale. You know, if Shoesby can, Blackpool are up there in the top 10, but if Shoesby can make those two games their back-to-back wins, that is massive because of the position of Port Vale. But, you know, they've got to overcome Blackpool first. Tough game, but, you know, given the way that the South have, have played, certainly at home, you know, I was there the last time at home and thought they played really well. If they can replicate a performance like that, sharpen up in front of goal, you know, they've got a real chance on Saturday. You coming Saturday? I'm not coming Saturday, no. Um, yeah, yeah, they, 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 um, yeah, they, they, they do. The, 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 those features are massive because not only is it points that Shrewsbury will get for themselves, it's them, them stopping relegation contenders from getting points too. So, yeah, uh, massive games coming up. Um, for town, um, so you know we've we really got to hope that you know they can get they can kind of get those points. Uh, return of Matthew Pennington to the meadow. I don't know. I think I think he's playing at the moment. I haven't checked, but I will check over the next few days. Um, obviously, Blackpool is a place where one of those difficult away days this season. Sad. I mean, they're pretty awful at Blackpool uh, earlier on in the campaign. Um, so we've got to hope that you know they'll be out to kind of avenge that, even though it was under a different kind of management at that time. Um, so. Yeah, interesting one. Um, Shrewsbury, we could really do with um, Shrewsbury getting a result this weekend, and then and then they're into three absolutely huge fixtures. Uh, what is it? Uh, Port Vale, Exeter, and then Carlisle. Um, Port Vale away, Carlisle, and Exeter at home. Um, and boy, do they need some wins in those games? They absolutely do. They do indeed, Ollie. As always, thank you very much for your time. Enjoy your. Oh, it's, uh, been a, it's been a pleasure, JD. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy your, uh, enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. Salop fans, hopefully they can get back on the winning trail. It's been a, a week of a roller coaster of emotions, but hopefully that will uh, they'll be on the up on Saturday. A win against Blackpool will take them one step closer to survival. As always, thanks for listening. And until next time, goodbye.